Whoa, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Take my rifle, this is my Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Right here on the Michael Duke Show. Broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, FM translator, and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet, where you uh, will find our uh, our audio-only live stream and, of course, links to all of the social media sites that we have and uh, Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and the podcast and lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Good morning, and thanks for coming in and joining us today uh, on the program as we get things ready to rock and roll. Um, all right, um, we are uh, we're ready to we're ready to get into it. We're ready to go and dive into it today on the program. We got a lot of headlines to cover, a lot of different uh, stories to discuss. And uh, also, uh, of course, here in hour one, we're going to be talking with uh, Zach Weissmuller, who is a video correspondent uh, for Reason Magazine. He recently had a piece up uh, in Reason that talked about the uh, talked about the uh, uh, culpability, I guess I would say, of the news media. In uh, all of the um, uh, all of the uh, attacks and uh, um, the uh, the uh, mass shootings, I guess we've seen in America, what does it mean? I mean, what what are what is their part in uh, in you know in their in the mass shootings? What are they making them worse? Is really the title of his question. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, that we probably all, we probably all know the answer to that. The answer to that is yes. Um, but what, you know, what is the, what's the reasoning? Why, how can we fix it? And, uh, we're going to, um, uh, we're going to talk with Zach Weissmuller here in, uh, in just a little bit, uh, to discuss that. I posted the links to his latest article, from about a week ago, week and a half ago, up uh, in the Facebook uh, chat, in the in the YouTube Facebook, the on the just go to the web, go to the thing, go to the thing, and do it there. You can find it there. Um, we'll talk about that here uh, for in just a little bit, and uh, see what um, um, we'll see what's going on uh, with that. 
Um, and then in hour two, we will open up the phone lines for gun Q and a, and we'll talk with you and answer questions because, uh, there's no such thing as a dumb gun question, as we've said before. And the whole point of the show is to try and demystify firearms, the second amendment, and, you know, try to counteract some of the idiocy that we see from talking heads who really usually have no idea what they're talking about. Um, uh, as was the case with the uh, big uh, interview from a CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh when they recently interviewed uh, the new ATF director Steve Dettelbach. Um, and we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about the New York uh, carry laws and how they're now facing new scrutiny uh, from the uh, judge that uh, ruled against staying them the other day. Um, they had another uh, case, uh, court case, and they're back up to discuss that again. President Biden's latest comments on guns, which again, you know, we first I thought we first it was kind of seems like it was more just willfully uninformed, and now it looks like it's all intentional. Now it appears that it is. Uh, you know, now it appears that it's it it's all intentional. The the uh, um, the, the, the phraseology, the comments, the revisionist history that we see on that. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, Minneapolis's defund the police movement and the inevitable outcome of that. What else do I got here? Oh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, he's back in the news. Alec Baldwin's back in the news. Uh, you'll remember that was, of course, uh, the guy that, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin, the actor who ended up shooting the director of photography on the set of his movie and killing her. Uh, that uh, that's another. So a, a lot of get a lot of stories, a lot of headlines. Open it up for Q&A in hour two. And then uh, we will finish up the show on a bit of a lighter note and talk with Willie Hoffel. Uh, WaffleMovies.com. Our good friend Willie Waffle, who's going to come on board and talk with us. Uh, and give us the entertainment and stream reviews. It's just it's it's a way of kind of lightening up, you know, what is generally speaking kind of a heavy topic throughout the day. And so we're going to get into that here in just a bit. So Zach Weissmuller, uh, phone calls, question and answers, headlines, and Willie Waffle. That's the whole show today. The whole show and nothing but the show. All right. <clears throat> well, let's. Um, Let's see what the let's see what the what the headlines break. I guess we'll start with this uh, story about Alec Baldwin, um, because you know th- this made some serious headlines. Uh, there was lots of there's lots of failure points in this story as you look at it. Uh, whether it was the master armorer's position to check the firearms, whether the uh, the assistant producer who was working with the um, working with the master armorer. Whether that was evolved, whether it was Alec Baldwin himself who should have been. I mean, there's a lot of questions that go on uh, about this. And this is a tough deal because, again, you're talking about a movie where uh, due to the nature of making a fictitious story and having to film it, sometimes, you know, the 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 four gun safety rules are out the window, right? Because it's a movie and you're trying to make it realistic. And so... People have to put their fingers on the trigger. They have to point their guns at other people. They have to do these things. And so it is paramount that in these situations that uh, because you're violating a bunch of the gun safety rules, that the guns either need to be, you know, thoroughly checked 
um, or they need to be fake guns. I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, it's really, there's only kind of two choices there. Um, but there is also some personal responsibility, I would think, uh, from an actor's point of view, of making sure that the that the firearm that you have, that you would educate yourself enough to be able to partially check it yourself. I'm just, that's just kind of my take on it. But it looks like now, according to uh, reports from the Daily Mail and a couple other major outlets, that Alec Baldwin may potentially be looking at charges being filed uh, against him. New Mexico prosecutors have indicated that they may charge Alec Baldwin over the fatal shooting of cinematographer um, um, Halina Hutchins on the set of his movie Rust last year after the actor handed over his cell phone to be considered as evidence. So that's a after that they've looked at his cell phone, then there were questions. And, of course, there's lots of videos of Alec Baldwin being on the phone immediately after uh, the shooting. Uh, in a letter to the state's financial board asking for funding to prosecute the high-profile case, Santa Fe District Attorney uh, Mark, uh, uh, excuse me, Mary Carmack Altweis said she was ready to file charges against four people. She stopped short of confirming the charges she planned to bring, but said that, quote, certainly looking at all the homicide statutes and any gun statutes under New Mexico criminal code, unquote. One of the possible defendants is well-known movie actor Alex Baldwin, unquote, she wrote. She's asked for $635,000 to prosecute the case, saying she needs the money to go up against well-paid attorneys. And so it looks like um, he is going to be charged. Now, is it with murder? Maybe not. Manslaughter is probably the more likely charge because that is usually no intention of harm, just kind of a reckless disregard for safety. But if she's talking about the homicide statutes, is there something going on we don't know about? Was there uh, some anger issues? Was there conflict between them? I mean, nobody knows. But uh, anyway, Alec Baldwin may be, uh, may be having to face that up uh, here in the next few next few weeks we'll we'll see we'll see what goes on with that i mean it's a tragedy unfortunately but maybe we're going to find out that it was a preventable tragedy and and we can go on from there well president biden's at it again um we've talked a lot about this over the last five or six months as the president has gone on the warpath about firearms um and his continuous I mean, I was calling it misinformation, but it's downright just lies at this point uh, about historical firearms use, about the law, about the formation and foundation of the Second Amendment. And initially, like I said, I thought it was just kind of Joe Biden being Joe Biden, you know, kind of the Muppet in chief where he just kind of he just kind of spouts off off the cuff and doesn't really know what's going on. But he keeps he keeps saying the same things, and he keeps putting out more and more misinformation. Uh, J.D. Tuchilli over at Reason Magazine wrote a recent article uh, that basically headlines it all. It says, Joe Biden lies about guns again. Um, and saying, you know, look, government lies aren't new. Political fibs, are they have such deep roots in the history that we could open up a museum of you know, and have enough rotating exhibits to keep things fresh for years. We get all this misinformation, which is ironic, of course, because the government now is deciding that they're the ones that want to be the gatekeepers of what <clears throat> what is misinformation and what isn't. Um, 
His latest gaffe was from last week, and again, maybe I maybe it's a gaffe, but it just seems more and more like it's being intentional. He said uh, in a, a recent uh, uh, in a recent uh, uh, press conference that there's no justification for a weapon of war. None. The speed of that bullet is five times that comes out of the muzzle of most weapons. It could penetrate your vest. What in God's name do you What in God's name do you need an assault weapons for? Well, of course, you'll remember that, you know, the president also talked about a nine millimeter blowing your lungs out. And I mean, just all these really hyperbolic commentary. And of course, he also said that we couldn't buy a cannon, uh, that the Second Amendment was never about that, which, of course, we've debunked thoroughly on this program. Um, but the the question is, you know, he says, do you realize the bullet of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun? Five times. And it can pierce Kevlar, which, again, is n- n- the no, the AR-15 does not travel five times faster than any other bullet shot out of any other gun. Um, I mean, it. <laughs> The the average mu- muzzle velocity of a AR-15 is about 3,000 feet per second, uh, 3,100 or so feet per second. Uh, it's slower than others, faster than some. Obviously, you know, pistols travel, fi- you know, the, the 45 caliber is about 1,000 feet per second. So this is three times what a, what a handgun does. But most rifles are upwards of that range in the 3,000 feet per second range. And it, it doesn't, and as far as, as far as, you know, impacting Kevlar, any rifle round pretty much will go through any center fired rifle cartridge will go through Kevlar. Kevlar is meant to stop handgun rounds. To stop rifle rounds, you need, you know, ceramic and metal plates, composite plates. That's what you need to put in those things. I mean, it that's it it's not that's not a surprise. Any your 30-06, your dad's old hunting rifle will shoot through a Kevlar vest. But see, it sounds better. It sounds good when they go through it. And again, this is the same. Remember, this is the same guy that said that, uh, you know, you should just stick your shotgun out the window and shoot it if somebody's in your house to get him to get out of your house. This is not the guy you want to be taking gun advice from. But he just keeps at it. And again, I don't think it's, you know, like I said, I used to think that it was uh, I used to think that it was accidental. Now I just think it's intentional. I, I really do. All right. Um, well, those are a couple of the headlines. We got some more we're going to get to here in a little bit, but we're up against a break, and we've got Zach Weissmuller. He's sitting in the green room. I can see him right now. We're going to be jumping over to him. Again, his article, uh, his latest video piece, an article in Reason Magazine uh, asked the question uh, Is the media making mass shootings worse? Uh, to which I think we probably can answer that, but we're going to get his take on it here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and translator, FM translator, and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com. We will be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. 
Okay, we're in the break right now, getting ready to jump into it. Uh, again, I see uh, Zach is in the uh, in the um, green room for us right now. So let's uh, pop on over there and say hi to uh, and say hi to him. It's pretty obvious that he is a professional videographer. Look at how clean that picture is. That's <laughs> Thank <amazing>. you. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Zach Weissmuller, yeah. how are you doing this morning, my friend? Good. How are you? Good. You know, I really appreciate you coming on board and. Uh, and joining us here as we uh, as we get ready to talk about, I really enjoyed your piece um, about uh, about the media's involvement in this. And of course, you've done a lot of things on Reason that I uh, um, I admire. And so this is the first oh, time we've so gotten much. a chance to talk. Um, I uh, I deal with a lot of the guys from Reason, uh, you know, JD and and Eric Bame and and uh, yeah, uh, Too Chili and uh, all those all those folks out there. So it's good, yeah, good to have you on board for the first time, and I appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, I appreciate you having me. Um, so we're going to dive into that here in just a second. Your audio's good, your video's okay. good, and so I'll good. put you I'll put you back in the green room here. And we are about three minutes and forty seconds from rejoining the radio here. All right, perfect. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Okay, let me get caught up in the chat room here on the comments in the chat room because you know comments reign supreme on live video. That's what we got to do here. Okay, so let me go back to the top of the page here. See how you guys are doing. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Click, click, boom, says Bill. Yep, that's Firearms Friday for you. Click, click, boom. Um, all right. At least it's still raining. <laughs> that's the that was the comment from yesterday. It's cold and dark outside, but at least it's still raining. I mean, that's one way to look at it. At least there's no snow yet. Um, it's coming, I'm sure. Um does anyone have a line on 410 shells? Nope. Nope. Okay. What are we saying this morning? Everybody uh, Everybody is uh, talking about the weather and uh, and everything else. And Alec getting his comeuppance. You know, I mean, it, again, I, I don't know if he intentionally shot her or not. But, I mean, it's a tragedy no matter what here, uh, whether it's arrogance or stupidity or malice. I Hopefully that will all come out in the uh, in the long run there, but we'll find it out. Somebody just told me to check my email, which means somebody dropped me an email when I wasn't looking because uh, I looked this morning. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that uh, this morning here. Um, man, these people, like, pulled all the stories that I was going to talk about today. Uh, yep. I got it all. Thank you, Greg, <clears throat> for your uh, for your uh, for your email there. Um, I, those are all stories that I was already going to cover, so we're gonna we're gonna look at it. Um, the lady he shot was doing a documentary about child abuse. Okay, um, I'm moving forward here. Um, it's getting to the point that it's not funny anymore. Oh, the the rain. Rick is talking about the rain. Everybody's talking about the rain. I mean, what have we had in the last two months? What have we had three, four days where it actually didn't rain and it was sunshine? I mean, I keep joking about Noah and the ark and a boat and looking down the street to look for it, but it's really getting bad. Um, okay. Biden's being deliberately provocative. Maybe. Um, or maybe he's just reading notes that somebody handed him. I, I don't know. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're trying to be good denizens of the six o'clock club says Brian. Well, you're doing a good job and you are all honorary members of the six o'clock club, which is a club that, uh, nobody cares about, but you were all members of, I care about it, but you know, nobody else cares. All right. Well, I am ready to, uh, 
I'm ready to get this done. Uh, we've got Zach waiting in the wings, and we are about ready to jump back into it. Don't forget uh, that I would love to have more people involved in the conversation. Again, Fridays, we have about half the number of people in the chat rooms that we normally do. And I think it's simply because we're so specialized today. We're talking not specifically about Alaskan politics, but about my favorite topic of firearms. And so I would invite your gun. Go ahead and invite your gun folks here, folks that you know in the gun community from outside the state. I mean, why not? Fred calls in from Rhode Island and Brady calls in from Las Vegas all the time. Why don't we have people calling in from all over the country? Um, so share the show. Uh, no matter what platform you're on, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, whatever, share the show. Like this video, and uh, ooh, let's get it going on. You know what that is. That's a reminder for me to shut my pie hole and for us to move ahead. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's, uh, let's get this done. Zach Weissmuller, up next. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. It is Firearms Friday, this beautiful rainy Friday here on the Michael Duke Show. Joining us on the program right now is Zach Weissmuller, who is uh, he's a he's a video correspondent, senior producer over at Reason Magazine. He does documentaries, video shorts, all different kinds of stuff. Most of his uh, reporting, though, is of a video nature, and I really love it because it pulls in, you know, you can see what he's talking about with uh, with real-life examples and things like that. His most recent piece that I was reading was the question that he posted, which basically said, is the media making mass shootings worse? And he has some research, including from some experts who are saying, Yes, they they really they really are. And uh, Zach Weissmuller joins us this morning uh, to discuss it. Good morning, my friend. Thanks for coming on board and joining us today. Good morning. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, I, well, I appreciate that. So, Zach, let's let talk about the premise of this first. I mean, what what kind of instigated this story? I mean, is this something you kind of sit around as you're watching news reports and things? You're scratching your head, going, "Is this making it better or worse?" What was the genesis of this whole uh, this whole project here? Yeah, so after that horrible shooting in Uvalde, Texas, I just started thinking more about this question because all the usual conversations came up, questions about um, gun control, keeping guns out of the hands of mentally ill people, um, you know, the problem of kind of just uh, lonely, adrift young men who do these horrible things. Um, and these are the questions that, that the media typically raises, and it, it seems like we, we're having the same conversation over and over again. Um, but I had always wondered about the role that media itself played in this. Um, you know, the first, like, uh, one of the, the major documentary that came out about this a long time ago from, you know, the left winger, Michael Moore, uh, Bowling for Columbine. It's interesting if you watch that documentary, he actually goes into this question and uh, it's, you know, the, the documentary is certainly about gun control, but it's also about the media and the fact that fear sells. And uh, I decided to dig a little bit into the empirical literature on this question and was actually pretty surprised to find 
there's quite a bit of research on this and it all points in the direction of the media's coverage of this topic exacerbating the problem. Right. Well, and we see, you know, of course, we all know the old adage, of course, is that, you know, bad news is what sells. I mean, it's not good news doesn't sell. It's always the bad news. And, of course, now in the era of the Internet and the clickbaity headline and how many eyeballs can we get and the views and everything else, it seems to be it's like a race to the bottom to see who can put the most lurid details or the most, uh, you know, the, the most information about the killers and things like that out there. Um, and of course, even you reference it in your article, even the, the Columbine killers were walking around talking about who was going to make a movie about them. I mean, that it is a claim yep. to fame. Dr. John Lott's been on the program many times and said that, uh, in many instances, uh, uh, you know, the, the shooters of these, the, the, the act, the, you know, the actors in these incidents are writing in their journals and in their manifestos about how they want to be remembered and they want that, you know, five minutes of fame, you know, any fame is infamy or, or fame, either one. And uh, so this is a big problem, and the news media seems to be filling right into, the, stepping right into that role and filling it. Yeah, well, the incentives are obvious. Uh, when we know that fear sells, and that it's kind of focusing on just the most threatening things that that happen and, and inflating threats, um, it's it's hard to take a look at yourself and and what you are doing to contribute to that when all the incentives are pointing in the right way. And that was, um, you know, when I started to look into this, I found that there was a rather robust body of research there and it's uh, in academia. And also the FBI itself uh, has put out reports, their behavioral analysis unit uh, saying this exact thing, saying, please, we need to, uh, American media needs to rethink how they cover these events because it's not necessarily serving the public interest and it, it's making things more dangerous. Right. And you you spoke to a criminologist, a University of Alabama criminologist, Adam Lankford, and he went into yeah. this in detail with you uh, in your video, which, uh, again, I would recommend people go out and watch this uh, this this video. It's not very long, it's but it's really informative. Give us a, you know, tell us a little bit about what Lankford said about this whole body of work as you're talking about in academia uh, on the effect of media in mass shootings. Yeah, so his was the name that kept coming up as I was looking at this research. He's been a criminologist for more than 20 years um, and has really focused a lot of his work on this question of mass killers. And, um, you know, what he says, it, what he basically started doing is just reading what they've said about their motivations. And uh, the majority of mass shooting events over the years, fame seeking has been a motivation. And the disturbing thing about it is when fame seeking has been a motivation, the body counts have been consistently higher. And so then he's also looked at the reverse question, which is how much attention has the media given to the shooters, thereby fulfilling their their fame seeking desire and the disturbing reality is that you know in some cases it's been like 75 million dollars worth of free media coverage you know more than a super bowl or a academy award winner would get um and the I, I mean one of his most disturbing findings to me was uh that the higher the body count the more mentions that the the more media mentions that the killer 
received. So that's a real perverse cycle. And what you've been seeing is that these events have been getting deadlier and deadlier, you know, from the Pulse shooting in Orlando to the Las Vegas one. Um, It just keeps escalating because these people are are feeding on each other. They keep trying. They they keep track of the body counts, and and they're trying to beat the last one. Right, which again, you know, makes you think of you know, it's back to the kill count of the video games and things like that. And you're like, this is the yeah. kind of mentality that they're bringing into this. I mean, it shocked me when you when uh, when he brought that up. That I mean, Super Bowl winners don't get the kind of media coverage that shooters do. And you know who really suffers in this? I mean, is the victims and the victims' family. They get almost no coverage on this program. We have a policy that I will never name the actual shooter. I won't show his image. I won't talk about him. I'll reference him as the Pulse shooter, the Parkland shooter, but I will never say their name and I will never post a picture of them because I believe that that contributes to the fame. And there are some media outlets that do do things similarly, but it seems like the big ones, man, it is wall-to-wall coverage from the time it starts for you know 24 hours a day for days on end. Yeah. And it's not even, you know, all you have to do is go to the websites of any of the major outlets and just, you know, type in uh, the the event and you will find that this norm has not been adopted widely. Um, there's There's been some shift. Um, there's been more, there has been a shift in mainstream media towards showing the Vic, talking more about the victims. And so on balance, the victims as a whole now do get more coverage than the individual shooter. But then if you break it down to individual victims versus the shooter, you know, no single victim gets more coverage than the shooter himself. And and then there's the set, the related problem of publishing, you know, the manifesto or doing deep dives into the motivations and the ideology. And again, that is only incentivizing um, people doing this sort of thing because they know that the media is going to like tell their life story and like uh, uh, amplify their ideas. And uh, it doesn't, the question that I am always trying to ask as a journalist is, is my work serving the public interest? Am I actually giving people useful information um, that, uh, and and not just serving my own, uh, you know, clickbait type of interests. And, in this case, uh, it's it's not clear that you know naming a su- uh, um, a suspect or a criminal who's already been apprehended or killed serves any public interest. It's one. It's another thing if, if they're out there, um, they haven't been apprehended yet. Yes, you got kind of got to show their mugshot and name and everything like that so that people can help capture them. But once they've been captured. There's no clear public interest in doing this. Right. And of course, as you said, academia has been targeting this, but also the Department of Justice and the FBI, and they've been trying to give some guidance on this. Now, again, as libertarians, it's uh, we, we don't necessarily want the government deeming what people could say and what they can't say. But at the same time, there is still some common sense laid out in, these, in this guidance. What is the FBI and the Department of Justice saying? Well, the, their request is that the media should not name the assailants. Uh, the assailants don't post their photographs or videos. Um, don't publish these detailed investigations into their lives and motives. Um, and that—that's 
pretty much in accordance with what Langford was saying as well. And yeah, that that was a question I, I had for Langford because I I wanted to be clear that you know we're not talking about government regulation of what the media can cover. I don't think any of us want to see that, and that would probably actually have the perverse effect of you know uh, creating more uh, uh, intrigue and taboo on it. Um, and, and there is that, that question anyway of like, okay, if there's kind of a, a voluntary media blackout on this sort of coverage, the information will obviously still be out there. These kind of like sick forums on the internet, the information will get circulated around. So is the cat out of the bag at this point? Is there any way to combat it? Uh, and I, I asked Langford that, and, and he thinks that it it still would help because even though the information is out there and there's these kind of sick little groups out there, at least it's not getting amplified. And, and you can kind of think about it in uh, like coverage of suicides. We know that um, suicide can be contagious. So if there's, you know, a lot of coverage of a suicide in a community there, you can almost predict that there's going to be X number of additional suicides and the same sort of effect is going on here. So there's a strong case for media to just be a lot more mindful uh, of that going forward. Right. And again, we're not talking about regulation. We're kind of, I mean, I guess I would phrase it. We're talking about human decency, right? We're talking about not, not mm -hmm. glorifying the actions of madmen and killers uh, and, uh, you know, trying to keep that down. Zach Weissmuller is our guest uh, from Reason Magazine. You can find his work at Reason.com. We're up against a commercial break. I want to talk a little bit more about him, about some of the solutions that are possible and any of his other insights that he may have gleaned while uh, – uh, putting this uh, article and video together that maybe he didn't share with us and maybe some some insights that he'd like to uh, give to us. We're going to continue here in just a moment, the Michael Duke Show. It is Firearms Friday, that one day a week we dedicate to firearms, the Second Amendment, guns, gun rights, and more. We will return in just a moment. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Zach Weissmuller returns with us in just a moment right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the commercial break with Zach. And, uh, you know, Zach, it, it, it is amazing. Uh, and, in fact, uh, Harold in the chat room had just mentioned that before you had, uh, you know, talking about Alaska's media policy is to not report Alaska suicides because many suicide mm -hmm. clusters develop. And we already have a, a really tragic situation in this state where we have a tremendous number of suicides and one of the highest per capita in the nation. And that's the last mm. thing we need. And and yet we're implanting. We're OK with implanting the ideas of homicide. Suicide's verboten. But the homicide is is OK. It's fair game. And again, I think it comes back to that race for clicks, race for eyeballs. That's what it is. And 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 I think that's the tragedy of this is that there are people in the, you know, there may be people like you or journalists saying, is this fulfilling the public good? And yet they've got the bean counters and the VPs and the suits in the corner offices who are like, where are my clicks? Where are my, where are my eyeballs? Where are my website visits? And, and I think that's a tragedy. Yeah. Uh, another example beyond suicides is also, you know, where the media has adopted a, a voluntary norm is uh, rape victims. We don't publish the name 
of uh, rape victims um, because it's harmful to the person and it doesn't serve anybody to do that. So there's precedent for, you know, a, uh, and, and there's no law saying you can't do that. It's just any respectable outlet is not going to do that. And, and that's kind of the idea is like, can we move towards a place where it's just seen as not respectable um, to do that as an as an organization? Uh, I want to sidebar for just a second and because uh, I don't like sure. to, I don't want to rep- I don't repeat myself. I don't want to repeat, you know, in the break and then back on the radio. So I want to take something that I came away from your article on that just kind of shocked me. And that was the news that the folks in Uvalde have decided to knock down this school and build a new one. Um, yeah. Which to me is I mean, I guess emotionally I can understand the response, but at the same time, it seems like. It's not changing anything, I guess, maybe other than the memory of the hallways for some people or whatever. But uh, it it just seems like it is. um, It's not virtue signaling. I don't think it's on that level, but it's just kind of a thing of 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 going through the motions of trying to change things that really won't change anything in the long run. Yeah, I can kind of understand, you know, any parent who, uh, you know, sent their children to that school, I don't think is ever going to want to walk into that building again. So yeah, I can, I can definitely understand the, the impulse to just knock it down. Um, and I, I kind of brought that into the piece because I was thinking like, this is really what we want to do to the legacies of these killers is just like flatten it, bury it. Um, we don't need to talk about them. We need to talk about the people who were victimized by this um, and like the actual solutions that that might help prevent this in the future. Right. I mean, I, I, I love that imagery of saying, you know, again, bring a bulldozer to the legacy and the reputation of these people and just bury yeah. it right under the ground. Their faces never to be seen, their names never to be mentioned. Uh, like I said, you can say it's the Uvalde shooter, but you don't know anything about him and nobody cares. Uh, we're going to actually go into that here in the next segment, though, because I know that what, while we still don't want their names and faces and the fame to follow them, we still want to understand some of the underlying causes uh, on this. Mm-hmm. And it, is this something that, it, um, you know, did you reach out to any of the media outlets and talk to anybody at any of these major media outlets about this uh uh, about this uh, this occurrence of of you know naming and faces and things like that. Did you have a chance to talk to any of your colleagues and other media outlets? Um, outside of our organization, no, I didn't talk to anybody um, about this. Um, but I, I'm hoping that you know the video has some influence. I know that you know lots of media people follow me uh, on Twitter and so forth. So I'm, I'm hoping you know it kind of spreads osmotically that way. This is like a stealth campaign to say, let me show you what you're doing. I won't name names. Let me show you what you're doing. Maybe I can shame you into doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, cause you know, bringing someone on and kind of interrogating them or, or something that I, I don't know that it's going to be the most productive or persuasive way at this point, you know, maybe, if if we don't see any behavioral change, like it's going to be time to get a little more aggressive. But for this one, I just wanted to have a, a conversation with Professor Langford about it. Well, and it's good. And I think Langford has so many insights. And again, I'm encouraging people to go out and uh, view Zach's um, uh, view Zach's report. Um, and his he's a videographer, so his uh, his reporting there's actual there's a transcript of it, but you should watch it because it's interesting to see the interview. Uh, and I agree. I mean, my policy has been this way for years because, again, I just felt like 
the news media was, uh, you know, was just not idolizing, but, you know, just putting this, this famous face on all these shooters and everything else. And I just thought that's, that's sick. I mean, that's the height of sickness. These are people who have killed other people and you're glorifying it. And you wonder why, uh, again, it makes more sense now when you're talking about suicides and rapes and things like that, where that is an encouragement to others to copycat it. I could see how that uh, comes about. Okay. Uh, the ding means we got to jump back into it. Zach Weissmuller is our guest from reason magazine. You can find his uh, stuff at reason.com. Let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thick and radio. Zach Weissmuller uh, joins us uh, from Reason Magazine. He is a senior producer over there and a journalist. Uh, I guess video journalist, is that the right phrase, uh, Zach? I mean, is that what you yeah, do? That's, that's how I describe myself, yeah. Yeah, video journalism, which I I mean, I, I love to read, don't get me wrong, uh, but it's kind of nice to see, um, especially when you're talking to experts and you're bringing them into the video and we can actually see their emotions and, and, you know, the way that they talk about things. I, I find those to be, um, uh, sometimes a lot more compelling depending on the subject matter. Sometimes it can get a little dry, you know, unless yeah. you got people in there. Um, but yeah. yeah. And you know, it's like, uh, the vi- visuals and, um, audio and writing, uh, working together is the best way for the human mind to learn that, right. that there's been studies on just like, uh, comprehension, the visuals and the text working together. It, it tends to, uh, people tend to retain things better that way. So that's why I find it just a really powerful medium to work with. It. And your stuff again, uh, uh, not to pat you on the back too hard, but the, your stuff is very very well produced, and I I appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Well, Langford again talks about not wanting to create government regulation, but trying to encourage people to be decent and uh, trying to encourage media outlets to do that. Uh, but he makes a he does make a distinction here uh, that while we shouldn't be naming the shooters, we shouldn't be naming him, we shouldn't be showing their pictures, we shouldn't be uh, you know idolizing them or putting them out there. Um, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk and look about and publicize the underlying causes of some of the behaviors and things that are going on. Uh, give me some more details on that. Yeah, so all that information can be useful both in terms because you, you know one one concern you would have if this information were to be you know kind of voluntarily suppressed in a way is that you might worry about well what if there's some sort of pattern linking all these people together whether it's you know some sort of loose terrorist outfit loosely organized terrorist outfit or just like a common thread that might have some sort of policy implications we know that you know, mental illness is a is a problem. Um, so all that is useful information for us to know. Um, but all of that can be published without doing, uh, you know, identifying the person either by name or using their picture, or even you know, publishing like detailed manifestations, uh, manifestos, or. Um, you know, uh, investigations in, into their their family life or, or anything like that. Uh, so the idea is just to 
keep the useful information while not uh, publishing things that pretty much exist for to incre- to to appeal to our our purient purient interests. I mean, right. we all have this like uh, fascination with true crime. You can see how popular that genre is. Like, I'm watching the Dahmer like uh, series <laughs> on Netflix right now, which I'm kind of like ashamed about, but it's like you know, that that's kind of the problem, I guess, is like, we're so obsessed with like these people who do bad things. And uh, in the media, we need to just be very careful not to play to the those kind of base instincts. Right. We need the information. We need to know, you know, are there warning signs? We need to know the methodology or, or the, uh, the, you know, the what they did before and, and some of the things that we should be looking for. But at the same time, again, not uh, not putting them up on a pedestal and idolizing them. And I understand we do have, again, you mentioned the period nature of people that, you know, we do have a fascination with people who, have done bad things who have broken the law. And I, my wife is a true crime junkie. And I, you know, sometimes she'll, I'll walk in and she'll be watching something and I'll like, man, this is so depressing. Why are you? She's like, she's like, I'm just, she's, I'm fascinated with how these people feel, what their mindset is and, and how it's so antisocial and all these other kind of things. And I can see that. But again, there's such a fine line there between, you know, and maybe if you came back 20 years after the fact and talked about it, like in the Dahmer or yeah. the Bundy or things like that, it's one thing. But in 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 the moment when things are happening, that I don't think is the time to uh, I don't think that is the time to be bringing that out. And, and again, yeah, glorifying such, such a high cost to pay yeah. uh, for that um, the, with with the contagious effects. Yeah. The glorification of that is is interesting. Um, Zach, uh, you know, let's wrap up on, on this part of the, of your, of your video report, um, final recommendations that came out from Langford, from the FBI, your thoughts, what should the media be doing specifically? And I, and I also, I want to talk, I want to break and, 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 or work sidebar a little bit and talk about the aspect of firearms in these issues, but what is your thoughts and your recommendations to your colleagues in media? As you see this, what are the final recommendations here? So more than uh, about 150 researchers joined Langford in signing this open letter, and it's just asking the major media to adopt those new norms for covering mass killings. And really, at at the beginning, there kind of needs to it needs to be like you know taking a public stand of like a- announcing like we this is the new policy at. CNN or Fox or whatever, NBC News, um, we're given the harms, we're not going to be publishing their pictures or their names anymore. Um, The information is out there for the people who need it, but we're not going to amplify it. And that alone would go a long way. Um, And uh, I, I think, you know, separately from that, one thing we try to do at Reason a lot is just put uh, risks in perspective, because there are sensational things that happen, whether they're these kind of shootings or a terrorist attack. Um, and you have to put the put the relative risk in perspective and say, you know, in the large scheme of things, you're pretty safe sending your kids to school. You're probably not going to get killed by a terrorist. Um, so we need to think about the policies that follow there and whether they are an overreaction, whether it is the entire security apparatus that 
arose after the terrorist attacks back in September 11th or kind of the policies that inevitably get trotted out every time one of these uh, horrific but mercifully relatively rare mass shooting events happens. Um, the media really has a responsibility um, to work against those natural incentives to amplify risk and uh, stoke panic and instead put it in perspective and help people think rationally about it. Right. Um, I mean, this I wouldn't be doing justice to Firearms Friday if we didn't talk a little bit about the reaction to the firearms and things like that. And I think you're you're coming back into that because if you watch the news media in America, you would think that these incidents happen on every corner, every day, all day. Um, I, I've told a story. One of my best friends was trying to get a friend of his to come over from Spain um, and uh, to visit him. And her father said, I don't want you going to America. You could be killed immediately in America. I mean, it, it'll happen all the time. And again, statistically, mass shootings account for less than one half of one percent of any death in the entire United States. I mean, you're more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to be, you know, but that's not the way that it's portrayed in the media um, and the vilification of the tool, the firearm uh, doesn't. I mean, we've had people run down trick-or-treaters with a truck, you know, mass knifings and 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 shootings, poisonings, I mean, all these other things, the vilification. And again, it's like they glorify it by continuing to run and, and hyping the danger because fear sells, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we I think we've all seen that over the past couple of years as well. Just there's a lot of incentives to um, hype things to the most extreme degree and use lots of the color red to uh, make people scared about, uh, you know, um, certain things. And uh, we just need I, I think that the main thing going forward is that things need to be put in their proper perspective and there needs to be you know, a little bit more statistical literacy uh, among journalists. Right. No, and I would agree. And I guess statistical honesty. I mean, really, that's the thing. I mean, I, I wish every now and then some journalists would say, you know, in the United States, there were 13,000 homicides last year with firearms in a country of 330 million people. Um, that's, yeah. you know, that that's a statistic that most people don't think about. And I'm not trying to minimize the deaths of those 13,000 people, but I'm trying to say it is not the epidemic that many talking heads, politicians, policymakers are trying to portray it as. Yeah, we know that, you know, a lot of gun deaths are, again, suicides. So that's kind of different from, you know, what you imagine when people talk about gun violence. And, it, you know, we were we were talking about suicide and uh, the, pro, you know, the efforts that were made to mitigate uh, the media coverage around, around that. Um, and, you know, when you think about, put it, you know, statistics and how rare an event is, you know, if if some very, uh, you know, if a horrific, splashy, like, you know, media friendly type of uh, occurrence like this happens, you know, you might want to think about if you're the person in charge of programming the coverage, like, do we need to devote, you know, five straight days to this? Or is, right. you know, a, a, is it more of a local story that um, doesn't need to be uh, doesn't warrant wall-to-wall -wall coverage on like a national broadcast for a week straight. Right. No, I would agree. Zach Weissmuller, our guest, Reason Magazine. Uh, Zach, we're coming down to the last 90 seconds or so here. Uh, anything new you're working on that you'd like to let folks know about? Something that uh, uh, you think uh, they should be concerned over? 
Sure. I'm uh, on the opposite side of the continent here from you down in Florida. Uh, thankfully, I was <laughs> spared. Uh, I was I'm in the upper north corner, uh, northeastern corner. So I was spared from the worst of the, the horrible hurricane that just hit. Um, but I, I have started covering more um, about Florida politics. Uh, DeSantis, the governor here, is obviously a national figure now, a likely 2024 um, contender. Um, and he's passing some laws here in or he's sign, signing some laws, some bills into law here, um, uh, kind of fighting uh, what's described, what people call wokeness. Um, and so I have a a documentary about a new law that uh, that just went into effect here called the Stop Woke Act, and you know what is motivating that, uh, whether it is going too far in uh, getting the government involved with uh, allowing what can be taught in a college classroom or in a corporate uh, boardroom. So that's uh, my next project, probably coming out next week. Can't wait to see it, Zach Weissmuller, Reason Magazine. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time for Hour One, The Michael Duke Show. If you got to go, be kind, love one another, live well. We'll be back with more after this. Zach, thank you uh, so much for coming on board. Uh, one more bite at the apple in case we missed anything that you know you sure. thought we should cover. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to hear. I'd uh, love to hear anything else you you wanted to hit on on the way out the door here. Sure, and thank you so much for having me on. This was a really great conversation. I'm going to have to uh, start uh, tuning in on uh, Firearms Fridays. But uh, <laughs> the, so I um, uh, one thing is that. I, that I had in the piece near the end was this story of this guy, Elijah Dickin, who um, uh, stopped uh, it, shortly after Uvalde. There was uh, an attempted mass shooting at a shopping mall. And this guy, Elijah Dickin, was armed and shot the killer before he could do a ton of damage. He unfortunately did kill a couple people, but would have been a lot more without this intervention. And that, that's what the police on the scene said. This received a little bit of coverage, not much coverage. Elijah Dickin is not someone who is, you know, a household name. So I'm just kind of was bringing that up in the context of, you know, what if those were the stories that got a little bit more coverage because you're actually showing the consequences like, hey, if if you try, you're going to find out um, if someone armed is on the scene and that could actually act as a disincentive. But from the media perspective, where there's this kind of hostility towards firearms, I think that's a, uh, a tough story for a lot of them to cover. Yeah. Look, can I be brazen here for a minute and suggest a topic for a future story? Uh, I've talked yeah. about this a lot. Defensive gun use, DGU, um, in this country, they keep talking about the number of of course, they conflate suicides and homicides. So it's, you know, 38,000 people that, well, again, 65% of those are suicides. So the 13,000 are the actual homicides. But my suggestion has been, okay, so you have 13,000 roughly homicides a year. What about the use of guns where there's never a shot fired, where the mere presence of a firearm stops it? Uh, I mean, you know, statistics on DGU shows that it's anywhere, depending on who's looking at it, from 90,000 to 2.5 million a year. I mean, I think that's the unsung story uh, that the news media just refuses to cover in general. Uh, the good guy with a gun is not a myth. I mean, Dickens proves that. The good guy with a gun is not a myth. And I think it's a story that people would love to see, especially statistically with the numbers behind it. It could make an impression. 
That's a that's a great idea. I I will certainly uh, consider that. Um, that that would be a, a very interesting story. Uh, w- one other thing that I'll mention just for the people that are watching this uh, on the in the chat and so forth is reason I did I was not involved with this piece, but we just put out a video piece uh, called um, "Guns Are Contra New York Times and CDC Guns Are Not a Public Health Issue" because that is now kind of the fad is is uh, putting uh, gun control under the rubric of public health now right. that, you know, the public health establishment is more powerful than ever. So right. I would encourage anyone who's uh, interested in this stuff to uh, check that out as well. You bet. I've seen this question now three or four times in the chat room. Are you related to Johnny Weissmuller? That's the question. <laughs> Can you- I, I get that a lot. Um, and uh, it's it's back in the family lore, but I have not been able to prove it. Okay. But maybe one day I'll, I'll investigate further. Well, Zach, this was a very enjoyable segment for me, and I would like to reserve the right Thanks. to text you if you do something good in the future to invite you back on the program again if you're willing to do it we'd love to have you on please do yeah i uh, I would love to come back thanks uh, like i said i love your work i love what you do and so keep doing it and and keep uh and keep being you we appreciate you coming on and joining us today thanks michael all right zach weissmuller reason magazine again you can find him at reason.com thank you zach for being part of the show today All right, folks, Uh, that means that we are going to get into the next hour, the next segment of the show, which means that we need to fire up the phone lines. You know what that means, that I got to – I'm going to try and not blast your ears out here uh, as I reconnect the phone system. Uh, And – okay. I think I did it. I think I did it without blowing your ears out. Um, the one time I was looking at the waveform for the show after the fact, and it was like right here. And then I turned the phones on and it went bam like this. And I'm sure everybody's ears were bleeding. So uh, I'm glad we were able to uh, glad we were able to uh, do that without uh, making your ears bleed or you uh, flinch away from your telephone. Uh, OK, so phone lines are now turned on and we are ready to. Go. Boom. Yep. All all done. Are we are we in are we in the right mode? All participants are muted. Yep, all participants are muted. That's what I wanted right there. All participants are muted. Okay. Uh so phone lines are open right now. We'll talk about any of the gun things that you want to talk about. Um it's um you know, that was a, that was some good stuff. Yeah, Dickens, Elijah Dickens, uh, Hawk says, like that young man who made a 40-yard shot uh, with a handgun, that was pretty amazing. Uh, bet the scumbag shooter wasn't expecting it. And that's who he was referring to. That was Elijah Dickens, uh, the uh, the Greens, uh, Greensville Mall, uh, uh, who stopped the Greensville Mall shooter. Um, and those are the names that we need to put out there, the names of the people, the names of the good guys. Those and but you noticed how the media coverage on that immediately went away. I mean, it was in the news for like one day, and then it was gone. Um, but if that shooter had run unabated, we'd probably have had five days worth of un you know wall to wall coverage on things like that. Uh, so anyway, pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff um, for uh, for Firearms Friday today. That was a it was an enjoyable interview. I've been looking forward to that all week, and I'm glad it uh, I'm glad it turned out as well as I thought it would. So thanks, uh, thank you to Zach Weissmuller uh, Weissmuller for coming on board and uh, being part of it today. Um, <clears throat> Zach needs to keep an eye on that storm. It's coming back, says Jeannie. Um, you know. 
This was a good segment. Even Harold liked this segment. I guess that's high praise. Even even Harold liked that segment. And I saw Donna, uh, Donna Ardwin, our friend Zach, and all of his Reason.com colleagues are top notch and great guests. They are, and I really enjoy them coming on board. And it's amazing that these big national guys would want to come on this little tiny radio show. It's kind of, kind of amazing. All right, hour two dead ahead. Let's do it. The Michael Duke Show. Here we go. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Dixon. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for fighting. This is for fun. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday is the one day a week where we dedicate the show to uh, the gun rights, the Second Amendment, firearms law. And just good old-fashioned gun talk. And we welcome you to the program. It is hour two uh, of the big radio show. We just finished up with Zach Weissmuller from uh, Reason Magazine. And if you missed it, man, that was a good interview. I really enjoyed talking with Zach. Um, And you can go back and you can listen to it on the podcast, which will be available later this morning, uh, wherever you find podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify. Any of those, Spotify is my favorite because it's the easiest. But uh, we really appreciate Zach coming on. Of course, you can also go back because he's a videographer, so he was on video with us. You can go back and watch it on our Facebook or our YouTube streams as well. And you can just uh, put those on a a playlist and away you go. Um, Good stuff for that. This hour of the program, we're going to uh, open up the lines for what we like to call gun Q&A. That is uh, questions and answers because, again, the whole point of the show on Fridays is to demystify the firearm and to counteract some of the in you some of the misinformation I guess I should say the misinformation that you're getting from mainstream media from uh, the press from the entertainment industry the talking heads and even yes the president of the United States who as I pointed out earlier in the last segment um, also from Reason Magazine, J.D. Uh, Tuchilli has a, an article on it talking about how the president continually just just conti- just continues to willfully misrepresent the facts about firearms. Now, as a president, you have a responsibility to inform the public in a in a legal, lawful, truthful way. 
And yet the president has continued to espouse uh, things that are completely, completely wrong. Um, They remember when the president said that uh, when the amendment was passed, the Second Amendment was passed, it didn't say anybody can own a gun of any kind of of gun and any kind of weapon. You couldn't buy a cannon when the uh, this amendment was passed, which we know is false, blatantly untrue. I mean, first of all, the Second Amendment says nothing about not owning a cannon or anything else. And we know that there were there was no state or federal law that barred possession of those weapons at the time either. That was fact-checked by the Annenberg Public Policy Center at factcheck.org. They they I mean that's and that's not necessarily a friendly organization to conservatives. They pointed out that that is not the truth. And in fact, we've told stories about uh Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders uh on their uh, on their way to fight on San Juan Hill, how they were gifted uh from four Wealthy New York families, they were gifted um, uh, Browning machine guns uh, because they didn't have any. And private citizens purchased them and donated them to that cause. Um, Citizens have been able to have weapons of war, quote unquote, uh, since the very inception. Uh, I mean, the, 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 they marched with weapons of war. That's what they shot with. That's what they hunted with. That's what they had with them on a daily basis. I mean, if you look at it and that whole the whole thing about weapons of war, that just, you know, your dad's .30-06 rifle is based mostly and most likely in part on a weapon of war. You know, the technology is there. I mean, a lever-action cowboy rifle is a weapon of war. It was a it was a it was the standard issue firearm for the uh, for the U.S. cavalry. I mean, it was, you know, the, the the use of words and the use of imagery that the left has become so proficient at continues to paint these pictures for people who just don't know. They just don't know. Uh, and in fact, they don't know what they don't know. And so they take this information and they run with it. But the imagery, I mean, again, the weapon of war, the assault rifle, um, you know, these these lies that we hear, uh, the nine millimeter will just blow your lungs out. The the AR-15 has a muzzle vol- five times the muzzle velocity of any other gun. And, you know, no, no and, it, <laughs> and none of those things are true. Uh, but even when they do, even when he says something true, it has the negative connotation because he was talking about, again, the speed of the bullet. The AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun. Five times. Well, that's completely false. And then he says, and can pierce Kevlar, which is a truth. But he fails to tell you that any centerfire rifle cartridge, pretty much any centerfire rifle cartridge, can penetrate Kevlar. Because Kevlar is not built to stop centerfire rifle cartridges, projectiles. It's made to stop handgun rounds. So if you're wearing a vest, it has to have, again, metal, steel, composite, ceramic plates in it to stop rifle rounds. I mean, I've seen plenty of vests that have stopped, you know, 308, the 300 Win Mag cartridges. They're big and they're bulky. It's not what your standard police officer wears. They wear Kevlar vests, which are made to stop handgun rounds. So, uh, again, even when he tells the truth, it's in a disingenuous way. And so it's up to us as members of the gun culture, 
as gun folks to educate people about this kind of stuff. Again, not in a combative way, but in a, you know, factual way. I mean, again, the average speed, uh, you know, again, I, I used it earlier. The average speed of an of a AR-15 around a 2 point, you know, 223 round, 5.45 or, you know, 5.56 by 4.5 is about 3,3100 feet per second. The average speed of a handgun round out of, say, a 45 ACP is about 1,980, you know, right around there, 1,000 feet per second. So that's only one-third of a rifle round. But most rifle rounds travel upwards of, you know, 2,000, 2,500 into the 3,000 range, and some well beyond that. Some travel at 4,000 feet per second. But here's the president saying that it's five times any other gun. So you just bring the st- just bring the data, bring the stats. Well, no, my nine millimeter shoots at fourteen hundred feet per second. That's not five times, thirty one hundred. That's half. But you would expect a rifle round to travel twice as fast as a pistol round because the cartridges are it's twice as much powder, uh, you know, on a lighter projectile in some cases. So not surprising. You need to bring the facts in. And again, the whole Kevlar thing. Well, Kevlar vests are not meant to stop rifle rounds, so that makes no sense. Why would you even bring that up? That's the disinformation that we're trying to quell. That's the disinformation we're trying to to point out. The whole cannon comment and the fact that people couldn't own any gun of any kind. They could. That was the point. Saying it doesn't make it so. And as much as the president would like it to be true, it's been debunked time and time and time again. But that's not going to stop them from keep saying it. So we have to continue to fight the fight and to, again, counteract that misinformation. Got to do it. All right. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to bloviate there, but it's just one of those things that irritates me. This hour of the program being brought to your friend by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Um, they are your communication specialists in the state of Alaska, especially for remote locations. If you're, uh, if you're in a remote location and you need to send an email or a text message or to check uh, something on the Internet or make a phone call, that's what Satellite West does. I mean, these guys, are the, again... You give them two cans and a string and rub it together, and they can connect you to a satellite. These guys are good. SatelliteWest.com, we want to say thank you for uh, sponsoring the program uh, for this hour today. Phone number to call is 907-433-3150. Gun Q&A, there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. We'd love to bring that up. Let's go over here to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, I'm Mike. It's Fred in Rhode Island. How you been? Hey, Fred. What's going on over there in Rhode Island, sir? Uh, no, no, my same old, same old over here. Uh, President Biden and the, uh, the the cronies of the anti-gun and the anti-gun world. You know, I, it, you can see that they're. You, I mean, it's kind of obvious right now that they're up against a wall and they're grasping at any straw they can they can think they can hang on to because they know this. This you're going down the slippery slope because uh, you know they 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 run out of they run out of facts and they run out of truth and they run out of you know realistic information. As to what they what, what they're pushing their cause on, and you know they, they, they got, they're going after anything anything at all that they think that they can get any kind of mileage out of, you know to to, to you know to serve their purpose, 
and you know it, it's becoming obvious. You know, but, you know the the idiot in charge there. I mean, he's he's just he has no original ideas of his own. I'm sure of that. But he's going by the rest of the idiots who have no not much more than he does as to you know this you know uh, um, items of the, items on this issue. Right. And they're using the crowbar of crap to, to try to you know to try to pry their way into you know try to pry their way into uh, something that they think they can get some mileage on. And, it, you know, it, it's because it's obvious. It's overly obvious that, you know, they're fighting a losing battle because there, there isn't an ounce of truth into it anyway. You know, it's, it's all garbage, you know. It's all, and I, I still say it's, it, it's, it's a world, it, it's a world domination of, you know, the, the people's rights and it's starting with the Second Amendment because that's the only real threat that they have against them to prevent them from actually doing their dastardly deed of taking over the world. Right. And everybody in it. Well, except I, for themselves, of course. I mean, we've talked about that in the past, Fred. I mean, that you know, that there is this again, this narrative, this belief amongst many people that uh, on the usually on the progressive side of the scale, that the only way forward is with the direct benevolent intervention of government, right? And if you've got people who don't want to mm-hmm. be have benevolent government thrust on them. They only have a couple ways to fight back, and one of them is, again, the implicit threat of being armed. And they would love to disarm them so that they could proceed to tell us how to live. That's part of the, that's part of the issue. I mean, that's the beauty of the Second Amendment is that it is the implicit, the implied threat. That's what's kept politicians in this country in check for years is the implied threat that something could happen, that if they go too far, the citizenry has the ability to fight back. And – and and I think that's what's right. that's what's kept us as free as it has. And what you're seeing from people like Joe Biden and others is this continual drip, drip, drip into the ears of people who are not gun people, who are not you know familiar, who are not aware, and who won't take the time to do the to do the the the, the research on it. They they proceed to to drip these lies into their ears. And then people say, well, sure, I'm against that. I wouldn't want, you know, people to have cannons. I wouldn't want people to have this or that or the other thing. And and they just they just don't know what they don't know. And so they, you know, an, a lie often, you know, oft repeated becomes the truth. And that's what we're seeing here. So if we don't counteract it, we will allow those new truths, quote unquote, to become reality. And so we've got to counteract it all the time. Yeah, well, I feel, you're absolutely right. You know, you're absolutely right on that. And, you know, the other thing I'm going to bring out, you know, there's, as far as the media, you know, your, your previous one was Jack, you know, previous, you know, uh, president, president uh, issue with Jack, you know, he's, he's spot on. He's absolutely spot on. The media, there is much of the problem as a problem itself. If anything, it, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're a major piece of the puzzle as far as, like, uh, gun violence and all these school shootings and all this other nonsense. You know, and they just promote it, you know, because for their own for their own purpose. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, I'm not going to come across. I don't want to come across as someone wearing a tinfoil hat, but I think that there's, there's a major conspiracy going on at some level, either the international or within the domestic level, and or both in co- working in co- cohesion with each other, as to what is going on as far as like promoting, actually promoting this to happen, because they tried other things in the past and it's failed. Bloomberg's gone hundreds of millions of dollars into anti-gun programs and it's gone flat on its face. So I think they, I think once again they're getting desperate. And you know you ask yourself a couple of a couple of loose a couple of loose issues that were never really addressed. This guy in Uvalde, where did he get all the money to buy those weapons? As flipping burgers at Wendy's. He's not going to make that kind of money. You know, you're right. talking like seven, eight, nine thousand dollars for right. all the crap he had. 
Right. You know, they don't have that kind of money in it right no right you know, at hand unless somebody was helping. That's where you gotta that's where we really gotta start looking at. Well, yeah, I mean we really gotta start flying that one. We about. could we could dive down into the rabbit hole of where did these monies come from and how did they do it. Uh, I guess one one shooter bought I uh, can't remember if it was the Uvalde one or the one before, he had two Daniel defense rifles, which are like three thousand, four thousand dollar rifles. Was, where did he get the money for that, you know? And and did he just put it on a credit right, card or was right. he able to do it? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of questions there. Some- yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that they really got to I mean they're looking at. I think yeah. we have, and I think once once you once you apply the cover off that, you talk about a news story. Holy smokes, that will go. That will go to the moon and back. Yeah. All right. Well, Fred, thank you for calling in, and thanks for listening to uh, Firearms Friday here uh, from Rhode Island. We appreciate you calling in, my friend. Thanks for it. Well, you have a good week, and we'll talk. To you. We'll talk again soon. Take care. Okay, thanks so much, Fred. Uh, phone number to call again: nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. We are coming up on the uh, next break. We got one more segment where we can take some calls and uh, talk with you about firearms and firearms goodness. We'll be back. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the breaks right now. Anyone hearing about the short act bill? Short Act. Short. Mm-mm-mm. Short Act. Bill. Um, the Landerson Petrus Short Act. Um, I'm not sure if that. What did it affect? What is it? It affect? Gravely ill, provide a patient's bill of rights. I don't think that's what you're talking about. That's a California law. Um, you have to give me a bill number there, Ted. I don't see. Uh, I don't see anything else on there. Um, I don't see what's going on. Um, let's see. Jeannie asked about um, Jeff and Homer. I think Jeff and Homer is out on a boat. I think he's been out on a boat all summer. I think he's been working all summer. He said that he disappeared last year, too, for most of the summer because he was out working, uh, doing stuff. So I believe that he's probably still out on a boat. Um, the short act prevents middle-aged guys from wearing cargo shorts. Well, I am definitely opposed to that because I love me some cargo shorts. So I am definitely opposed to that. <laughs> I mean, how else am I supposed to carry all my gear? Uh, in my shorts, they have to be. They must be cargo shorts. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying right there. Uh, Catherine said they got millions of people to believe an insurrection happened by unarmed people. Facts and common sense don't matter. Again, a lie oft repeated becomes the truth, and that's why we keep hearing about things like, um, you know, that that uh, the the AR is you know will kill you and blow you apart and it travels five times the the you know of any other gun and you know again they make it out to be this super weapon right 
I mean, it's like it's you know, it's like it's a laser beam from space, and it's deadly. And I, I mean, it again, no deadlier than any other center fire rifle, um, semi-automatic semi-fire rifle. That's that's the thing. Um, but many people, they just they have no clue. They wouldn't even know where to begin on this. They hear this, they think, oh yeah. Well, that makes it scary. So we should definitely probably ban that because why Why do you need something that goes five times faster than – I mean, so then I start asking about, well, why buy – you know, what about uh, what about supercars? Who needs a supercar? Who needs a car that goes faster than 55 miles an hour? That's the speed limit, right? Why do you need a car? Freaking laser beams. I mean, that's exactly – is that what we're treating it like now? I mean – it is a way again to just try and divide us. Um, it's just a way to try and divide us. That's exactly what it is. Mini fourteen, same as somebody just said. I got a mini Ruger that will do anything an AR will do. Exactly. Your mini fourteen, your SKS, your I mean the SKS shoots a larger cartridge. I mean it's a you know I I would argue that uh, the S I would rather must be rather shot by an AR fifteen than an SKS. Uh, or an AK-47, or an M-14, or anything else, uh, because while it does tumble and it does, but I mean, again, I would much rather be shot by a larger, a smaller caliber than a larger caliber, right? Just because. But the way they the way they put it out there, they make it sound scary. Remember, that's where that's where ghost guns came from that's the phrase ghost guns because ghosts are scary so they're ghost guns because they fade into the wall and you can't see them until they rise up out of the floor and they shoot you all by themselves what but again that's the kind of the implication behind it Capturing the language. I mean, it's it's an important. I mean, I've been talking about that for twenty years. We've watched that for twenty years. How, you know, politicians they they hire a lot of smart people. You know, they hire consultants and other people and everything else who are pretty damn sharp, and they they know that by capturing the language, they can sway hearts and minds. Don't think they can't. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay, um, I was going to pull the chat room and ask him which story I should lead with here in this last segment of the show if we didn't get any phone calls. And I don't have any phone calls right now. All four lines are open if you'd like to sound off on Firearms Friday, if you'd like to ask a gun question. If you are one of the people out there who's gun curious, don't you're not really for or against guns, uh, but you, you, know, you, kinda, you have some questions, we're here to answer them. Just give us a call. 
907-433-3150, We'd love to uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Um, I was going to ask uh, was going to ask the chat room which story that I should go with, but since uh, since I didn't, I guess I will just ask them. I, I guess I'll just talk about them in the order that I would want to talk about them. You ever watched those? Uh, <clears throat> you ever watched that show um, uh, or the YouTube channels for the people who were like storage wars? You know what I mean? People who go in and buy storage units, kind of like they get to open the door, they get to look inside, and then they close the door, and they're like, okay, make a bid. I find those shows fascinating because sometimes other people's junk is just super interesting to me. Um, But here's a story that really caught my attention. A Texas couple um, purchased a lot of 100 Hardig gun cases from a military surplus website. And uh, Hardig gun cases, for those of you who don't know, are hard-sided gun. They're hard-sided cases, and they've got racks built into them to hold like a dozen rifles inside a hard case. It's for transport, right, for transporting rifles and and things like that. And the Hardig cases are built specifically to haul um, M4s. Uh, M16s, uh, but they obviously, because they're similar in shape and size to AR-15s, they will hold AR-15s. So a couple in Texas purchased a, from a military surplus website, they purchased a hundred Hardig gun cases. All I could think of was, man, I want one of those. Just one. I don't need a hundred, just one. Imagine their surprise when they were going to turn and flip these products around on eBay, but they were going through them, cleaning them up, wiping them down, doing everything else. And they crack open one case, and they discover inside 12 Select Fire M16 rifles. Not AR-15s, but M4 M16 rifles. Apparently, somebody back in the military, whoever was, you know, where they supposedly track these guns to their nth degree, either mislaid a dozen M16 rifles or maybe was attempting to steal them with the thought of going back and getting them. But this ripe, this case was chock full of full automatic or select fire, which means they can go full burst or whatever rifles. Well, I guess some people would have just done the, you know, the SSS, you know, just the shoot, shovel and shut up stuff. But this couple, they were a little more honest not sure what to do. They reported it to the local authorities. And within just a few hours, the batf and showed up and seized the single box and got a search warrant for the storage unit that contained 100 more. And they were just, again, shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that there could be 12 military rifles in this case. The According to uh, the Houston police captain and former Marine Greg Fremen, he says, it's almost surreal to believe something like that happened nowadays. It's incredible. It's unbelievable to think weapons of that grade, military-grade weapons, would be shipped in containers, would be shipped across state lines, and somebody have access to it. It's pretty shocking. He said the military carefully tracks all its weapons because any misplaced weapons can be extremely dangerous. For these boxes to have M16s in them and being shipped to a public destination, not only is it shocking, it's a federal crime. 
Well, apparently the military isn't really tracking their weapons as carefully as he says they are, since at least a dozen of them again ended up in a military surplus store. And in fact, the AP ran a pretty big story uh, recently that uh, just this last year that pointed to the theft of at least 1,900 military firearms in a, in a nine-year period. That in many cases, the military had no idea they were missing until the guns were actually found at crime scenes. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, pistols, machine guns, shotguns, automatic assault rifles, all vanished from armories, warehouses, depots, supply dumps, Navy warships, firing ranges, and they didn't even know until they were picked up and used in a crime. It was, I mean, it's it's just, it's insane. All right, let me go over to the phone lines here. But again, you imagine being that couple and cracking open this case and be like, this case is a little heavier than the other ones. Oh, my goodness. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is Jeremy in Kasiba. Hello, Jeremy. What's up, my friend? Well, I was going to talk about uh, ammunition manufacturing. Okay. Hit us, hit us with your thoughts on ammo manufacturing. Well, uh, you know, if you go to buy armor-piercing rounds or those tracer rounds, then that's going to hit the feds, uh, you know, because they'll know about it. So you got to make your own. Right. So um, I you, I, you I can take hollow points like from an AR-15, and you can get those titanium rods, and then you just cut off a little piece of that and drop it down into the hollow point, and then put a little bead of wax over it, and you have an armor-piercing round just like that. Um, I, I mean, I know people who've had armor piercing rounds and tracers for years. I don't think that there's any, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you can buy it new or if it's just surplus, but I mean, we've shot plenty of, uh, tracer rounds at the range and things over the years. It's, I mean, it is, I don't think you can use them for hunting, but. Well, they're like 40 bucks. They're like 40 bucks for a 10 rounds. Well, sure. I mean, they're not. You better get ready to spend some money. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're not cheap. I'm not saying that they're cheap, but. You can get them. And, yeah, people have been doing those kind of things for years. It used to be that you would take a hollow point uh, bullet, any hollow point bullet, whether it was a, a rifle or a pistol round, and you could drop a pellet. You could drop a, a shotgun pellet of a appropriate size into the cavity and wax it off and do it. It, I mean, there are different, definitely yeah, different ways of doing it. I heard of people doing uh, putting mercury in the hollow point, too. Oh, Which would... is supposed to have some pretty amazing effect. Well, it definitely would have the effect of poisoning you. I, I definitely see that going on. Uh, Jeremy, thank you uh, for calling in. I'm sorry I'm coming up uh, coming up on the break here. we got to go. Folks, the Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. we got Willie Waffle coming up next with a weekend movie review. Here we go. Uh, sorry about that. I was running out of time. I mean, I've seen people do all kinds of crazy things with ammunition. Um, mercury, though, first of all, oh, man, who would want to handle that? Second of all, 
Damn. All that mercury straight into your bloodstream, I mean, that could get you in some serious trouble. Um, if uh, you ended up, if that was like a defensive round and you ended up shooting somebody with it, uh, I could see I could see the law coming after you for, um, I don't know if it would be premeditation or, I'm sure that they wouldn't be happy with you, right? I mean, that's like when you set up a booby trap with a shotgun on a door. You know, they always talk about that, that that could be premeditation. And, and uh, even if you're trying to protect yourself, it could, uh, you know, you could get in trouble with that. That would be nasty. Um, but yeah, the EPA could come down on you like nothing you've ever seen. It's, it's possible. It's possible. Um, <clears throat> anyway, let's see. I'm going back up here to see, uh, what uh, others have said. Willie and Homer said M1 Garand is larger, but not black and scary. Exactly. Exactly. It's not black and scary. So that's what it's all about. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, my mini had like a two minute, uh, temp, two inch MOA at 200 yards. Ugh, my shotgun was one inch. <laughs> yeah, I know. As Dwayne says, jackpot, major score. You know, with all those ARs, there are all those M16s that showed up in the box. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, like I said, some people would just be like, oh, let me close that back up and put that back in the corner. Uh, but they did the right thing, right? I mean, they contacted the ATF and said, uh, or the local law and said, here you go. And then the ATF is like, ooh, okay. Liberal gun control equals sending thousands of fully auto, uh, full autos on pallets to enter world black market via Ukraine and other wars while trying to disarm us. I, that's, you're kind of not wrong. Right. I mean, that's the irony of it. We shouldn't have all these things, but we're willing to pump thousands and thousands and thousands of guns across the border into Mexico. We're willing to send them to Ukraine. We're willing to send them all these other places. But that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, let's see what else uh, you guys said here. EPA. OK. All right. I think we're all caught up. Um is a thing. Rick says division. I was talking about they wanted to divide us. Uh, Rick said division is their plan. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Ted says that the short bill that he was talking about, which I haven't seen anything on yet, is to take SBRs off the table and change the IRS bill of 1986. I have not, I've not heard of that yet. I've not seen that yet, Ted. Maybe we'll get some uh, more information on that here in the uh, in the coming weeks, and I can see if we can have a firearms Friday about it. Um, see what uh, see what they have to say about it. Uh, all right, uh, that's it. What what are you guys doing this weekend? What are you guys doing? I hate to say it, but I think I'm tearing my studio apart this weekend. Looking around at all this stuff, I think I've got I got some upgrades to do. <clears throat> And I've had all the parts to do the upgrades for like three months. But I am very leery of trying to take apart. Everything's working, right? You know, everything's working well. And I'm I'm terrified that if I take it apart and put it back together, that something won't be – something won't work well. And then I'll spend all weekend desperately trying to get it back ready for Monday morning. That's my fear. That is my fear right there. Dwayne's going to the peninsula to uh, uh, to go fishing for the next week and a half. And Rick is just going to watch it rain, which 
Yeah, I guess there you go. That's that's what the that's what this. I know I don't want to. I don't mean to gripe and bitch about it, but I am sick of the rain. I mean, we've had we've had some nice days. We've had some nice, you know, a handful, couple. You know, one day it'll it'll stop raining for a few hours and it'll get sunshiny and nice. Ah, oh, it's been so nice, and then, boom, more rain. It's crazy. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? All right, you gotta mow the lawn with a boat propeller. <laughs> Bitch, all you want, says Rick. Well, I'm I I can't, you know it doesn't doesn't change anything. Um. All right. <clears throat> well, folks. Do me a favor. Would you share this video? Would you share the video? Would you like and share the show page? Uh, like and follow the show page. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube and everything else. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, and uh, to share it with your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and with other people. To bring more people on board for Firearms Friday. Uh, we'd love that. Um, somebody just called in on the phone lines and I should have turned them off because my phone is buzzing over here with Willie. So we're going to have to jump into this with Willie Waffle here in about 20 seconds. So sorry, caller, if you're on the air, I'm kicking you to the curb. So apologies, uh, but we're not going to have any more time for phone calls this morning. And there's the ding. That's what tells us right there. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, share. We, uh, we're going to go do Willie right now. Here we go. Okay. It's almost the weekend. You know, it's not the weekend until after we talk to Willie, right? I mean, that's when it's the official start of the weekend. Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, joins us this morning to uh, talk about stuff and things and entertainment and movies and everything else. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope everybody's ready for a big, exciting weekend. I I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. You know, it's getting colder outside. The leaves are turning. You know, we're waiting for snow, blah, blah, blah. But uh, any time for the weekend, it's a good time to relax and rest and uh, and catch some good entertainments, entertainment stuff. So uh, let's start off with the news. Uh, I guess we'll start off with your bad news. Um, I mean, it's bad news for me, too, because I'm a bit of a Trekkie. But uh, Star Trek, uh, the movie, don't get your hopes up, I guess, right? Right. And, and this is the amazing thing. So, yeah, so we had this big surprise announcement. You might remember, I, I, God, I want to say it was like six months ago or something. We're going to have a new Star Trek movie. We're going to have it by Christmas of 2023. And, and we've got the whole cast. And the whole cast is like, really? Because uh, I don't remember signing the contract for that. Right, and, right. And so, you know, this seemed to be getting fast tracked. They they had a script supposedly. They were gonna they were gonna start getting ready to make it, and the whole thing has fallen apart. Their director has left. Uh, Matt Shankman, he he left in August. He he signed on to direct the next Fantastic Four movie because oh god, he just he must love pain or something. <laughs> but uh, Paramount has removed Star Trek from the calendar. They don't even know if there's going to be another one anymore. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's it sounds like the PR department got well ahead of the power curve on some of those things. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a Star Trek movie. It's going to be great. Here's when it's coming out. Wait a minute. Well, and, and you know, I, I'll be honest with you. There's one Star Trek movie I want to see. There, that, there, there is an idea 
and I believe he has developed something of, of an outline of the script, Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, it was at one time that there was there was a debate. Would they do Quentin Tarantino Star Trek or would they do a traditional Star Trek when the next one came around? I say you go for it. Man. You go for you swing for the fences, man. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I can't imagine that. I mean, Gene Roddenberry being the peace, love, utopian society kind of guy that he is. You put Quentin Tarantino in charge of it, uh, blood and guts and burn. I mean, it's, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it'd be interesting. And, it'd be an interesting take. And don't forget, there's going to be a lot of cursing. Well, and there'd be a lot of cursing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because I, know, that's, that's not something they do in Star Trek movies, remember? Yeah, exactly, because, you know? again, it's a utopian society. Everybody stops swearing. I don't know why, but, uh, you know. Um, okay, well, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, but on the other side of the coin, the other big blockbuster space franchise, uh, Star Wars, we got some is it good news? Is it bad news? Is it sad news? I'm not sure. What what is it here? Yeah, I you know, get ready for the next big thing, okay? So James Earl Jones has pretty much said he's retiring and he will no longer be doing the voice of Darth Vader. But he has struck a deal with this company that has a, an agreement with Lucasfilms that they are going to use artificial intelligence to create his voice as Darth Vader mm -hmm. in the future. Right. And so when, whenever Darth Vader is going to be in a, in a movie or a TV show, it will be James Earl Jones's voice. And they used a little bit of this for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series um, right. earlier in the year. So, you know, James Earl Jones is like, Hey, this is great for me because you know, I, I can't do this forever. I think he's trying to say he can't do it now. And right. and so, uh, you know, he struck this deal, of course, uh, you know, he, he'll get uh, handsomely rewarded as they say. Right. But, Guess who made an announcement, a similar announcement yesterday? That would be Bruce Willis. Really? Well, yes. Yeah. Bruce and Bruce Willis went further. He has also approved the use of his likeness, so, so they can recreate him on the screen as a character. Digital deep fake kind of things, yep. which we've seen. You know, they've got apps for it now. I mean, it's 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 out there. Uh, this is interesting. And let me tell you something. Now, as a voice actor, um, which for those listeners that don't know, I do that. It's a part of my, my job on the outside as I do voice acting. One of the things that's been troubling to those of us that do that is this AI technology. We're seeing more and more companies that are coming out with, you know, AI technology that will read your commercial or read your e-learning script or your, you know, your animation, you know, whatever, your character stuff, your audiobook. And as a, as a voice actor, it's really... It kind of is worrying to me because I'm like, that's an art. And I don't know if the, you know, anyway. And, but then you see this. And of course, Val Kilmer most recently had his whole thing uh, where they did the yep. whole biopic on him and they reconstructed his voice based off of dialogue and stuff scraped from movies for years. And he was actually able to talk again because he's got throat, uh, he's got some kind of throat cancer thing, right? Where he can't, his voice is gone. And so now this whole thing, he narrates it with this new voice, which you can't really tell is not his voice. It's AI. It's kind of spooky. I mean, it really is kind of spooky and weird, but I guess if you're getting paid for it, more power to you at that point. Yeah. But you know, here, here's what bothers me. Um, you know, they're going to take all the jobs, man. 
Like, like seriously, if they, if they've made this kind of investment in James Earl Jones in in Bruce Willis, you know, uh, what what's going to stop them from saying, hey, we need to make a couple of bucks? Uh, you know, Shaky's uh, car car emporium down the street is willing to give us a thousand dollars because they want Bruce Willis to do their commercial. Right. Let's go for it. Right. You know, and and I'll tell you who's going to regret it is is the families. I mean, right. Look what's happening right now. There's a there's a little minor thing going on right now with Neil Young. Neil Young last year sold the rights to his music. He cashed in. He got hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And, and then uh, NBC started using old man. Uh, you know, for uh, for one of the uh, promotions for NFL football, talking about Tom Brady. Right. And Neil Young was upset. And I'm thinking, Neil, you sold the rights, buddy. Yeah. You're stuck. Yeah, you now. got you got no word. Well, and I saw something that <laughs> there was an article about this. This is sorry, we're deep diving on this, but there was an article on this about using the the voice AI and then the likeness AI. And they were talking about if they were to secure the rights from these things from various estates, there's nothing to say you couldn't have a new Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley movie. Right. Uh, there's no you know, it, it would just be I mean, I guess okay, but it's just so weird. It 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 see it unsettles me. Let me just put it that way. It's unsettling in a, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, it, it feels like you're halting the evolution of society. Yeah, I like mean, I, you know what I mean. Like like you know, there will be no one new who's going to be famous or capture your attention, right. Or be the next great actor because we're just going to use all the ones you know. Well, and that's it. I mean, what if they made a uh, what if they made a, a sequel to Casablanca or something? You know, with Humphrey yeah. Bogart. I mean, it's just it's just weird. And and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we're making much ado about nothing, but. Uh, Anyway, the technology's there, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens to it. Okay. Um, oh gosh, uh, I guess there was a big breakup. Um, uh, another <laughs> another Hollywood breakup, but not the way that you think. Tell me about this one. Oprah Winfrey and Apple T- Apple TV Plus have just mutually separated. Um, they they so decided sad. that they so are, they are ending they are ending their their relationship. Yes, two of the richest entities on the planet. Uh, you know, Oprah had a a big multi-year deal with uh, Apple TV, and uh, you know she brought them things like the Sidney Poitier documentary. Well, that was nice, and and the, this documentary series, The Me You Don't See, which featured you know the Harry, formerly known as Prince Harry, right? right and exactly. um, and 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 you know, no one wants to say this, but I'm going to say this. Apple TV was probably sitting back going, um. Uh, you know, you had that big interview with Meghan Markle and uh, and Harry, and you took it to CBS, and you had that big interview with Adele, and you took it to CBS. Yeah, we're not very happy, right? It, she, you know? <laughs> yeah, she didn't offer them the projects, and so maybe that's part of the deal as to why they're splitting the sheets. I'm sure it's, it's all am- be. it's all amicable, and nobody's saying anything. But you know, okay, all right, great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like you know, I'm dating two people. You know, he's gonna get the 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 Christmas and New Year's, but don't worry, baby, you got Arbor Day. Yeah, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, well, I'm not losing any sleep over that, and I'm also not losing any sleep over the fact that Russia. Russia, the evil empire that's invaded the Ukraine and killed all those people. And I mean, all the news that's coming out today of, of anyway, um, they are boycotting the Oscars. Dear God, that'll show them that. Yeah, I mean, you know, woo, that, that'll put the Hollywood do-gooders right on their heels. huh? Right. You, right. You, you, mean, you mean you you won't be submitting a movie for best foreign language picture? I know, <gasps> really. How will we survive? Yeah, well, nobody wanted to watch a black and white movie subtitled in Super 8, okay? I mean, nobody wanted <laughs> right. 
So that's with what's lots coming. Of with lots, lots of smoking. With lots of smoking. Yeah, it's coming out of Russia these days. <laughs> Again, not the height of uh, not the height of the film world, Russia these days. But uh, okay, well, all right, we're, we're gonna we're not gonna lose. Sleep. I tell you, the the best piece of good news though, and I want to get to this real quick. Yeah. Is uh, I saw the trailer yesterday, day before. Um, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool three, and through the back of the room walks none other than Hugh Jackman, and he's like, "Hey, Hugh." You want to do Wolverine one more time? And he's like, okay, Ryan, and walks out of the room. So <laughs> Dead, Deadpool 3 is now going to feature. We thought he was done. We thought it was all over. Wolverine, Hugh Jackman's going to appear, as, and not as a cameo. This is like a deep part, right? Yeah, this is going to be a big part. This is going to be a really big part. And, and that's what really gets me. You know, there, there was all this talk. I remember it very, very vividly. When the Logan movie came out, it's like, this is the last time he's ever going to play Wolverine. Oh, I'm getting a little bit older. I can't do it all the time. I, I'm going to do some other things. You know, uh, I think I've done everything I can with the character. Well, you know, hey, hey do, do you hear that? Beep, yeah. beep, yeah. beep. Back. Yeah, that's the Brinks truck backing up to Hugh Jackman's place right now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Well, ka-ching. I'm sure it's ka-ching. I'm sure it's ka-ching, but it, it's got to also be Ryan Reynolds because Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have a huge friendship. I mean, it's the it's the frenemies thing that they put on on all yeah. the social. But those guys are like they are best buddies, and it's amazing to see. I think that he probably did it for the money, yes, but also a chance to actually be in the same movie again because. Let's face it, that happened early on, uh, that whole uh, Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson getting his yep. face sewed off and everything. But, I mean, y- you got to admit it. This was probably this was probably just an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and I think that probably what sealed it, let's face it, the, the Deadpool movies have been pretty darn awesome. And oh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds had a lot of good ideas. I bet he sold the idea to you, Jackman. Jackman went... I'm willing to do that. Yeah, no, I'm, I can't, <laughs> I'm excited. I can't wait. And that's 2024, they're saying now, for for uh, uh, Deadpool 3. So we'll see. We'll oh, see. man, I hope I can make it. I know. I, I hope, hope I can make it. I hope it. the world doesn't end between now and then. <laughs> um, all right, we, we only have about uh, two and a half, three minutes here. So okay. uh, smile quickly, Sozy Bacon. Uh, give, give me the deal. Yeah, so she's the psychiatrist in an emergency psych unit, and this patient comes in who keeps talking about this evil entity that's been chasing her, and when that patient dies, the entity jumps into our psychiatrist, or it starts to bother our psychiatrist, and everywhere she goes, it presents itself when it makes people smile in the most creepy way possible, and then mayhem begins. Let me tell you. This is a really good horror movie. Is it I really? mean, just, everything about it is so creepy and so weird. And, and, and I love how they, they do this from so many different perspectives, so many different camera shots. You know, what, what she's seeing, we kind of see upside down. We see from different angles. We have different lighting. It makes it so tense and so weird. And every single actor who has to do that creepy smile was fantastic. I'm going three waffles for smile. Wow. Okay. All right. Good. All yep. right. Uh, the next one, uh, three waffles, smile, and it's in theaters only. It's not on the yes, screen. Yes, only right? in theaters. Yep. yep. Uh, the next one, my wife has been uh, wanting to watch. She's a huge Marilyn Monroe fan, and uh, it is the new Anna Diarmas uh, joint on Netflix, and it's called Blonde. Now, unfortunately, Terry and I were talking about this yesterday, and she's like, this thing is getting killed by Marilyn Monroe fans. And I'm like... 
well, it's a different retelling. Of, I mean, he, she goes, I know. She goes, it's just going to be weird. I'm wondering what Willie's going to say. So Blonde, a fictional yeah. telling of Marilyn Monroe's life. What do you say? Well, and, and that's where I think that the biggest trouble begins is that, you know, it, it's walking this fine line. It is a fictional story. We're not saying all these things happened, but yet a lot of these things happened. And, you know, we're not necessarily saying that was President Kennedy, but we know it was. You know, right, we're right. not saying that was Joe DiMaggio, but we know it was. Right. And, and so, you know, you're, you're constantly playing this game throughout the movie. Did that really happen? Was that really what happened? And, and I think that does a disservice to it because it really is supposed to be an examination of just, just what a troubled life this, this woman had. And the emptiness and the sorrow and, and the way she was used by just about every single person that came across her and and you feel that pain for her and you feel that sadness for her and and it is very compelling it's an extremely artsy movie i mean you know you're, you're gonna see things in here that, that are just kind of out of left field and um it's rated nc-17 oh you're also gonna see a lot of stuff you're okay. gonna see you're gonna see parts of anna de armas that even like ben affleck didn't see when he dated her okay, okay? all right okay well yeah. maybe i guess maybe i'll avoid it then but the negative one to four waffles on blonde the you know, fictional telling. I thought it was pretty compelling. I, I'm going to go two and a half waffles. I think it runs out of a lot of steam towards the end. Uh, I don't like, like I said, don't like the game playing, what really happened, what didn't. But I could see Anna Diarmas getting a an Oscar nomination because mm. she is fantastic. All right, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. Folks, we're out of time on Monday. Kelly Shibaka is going to be joining us. We will see you then. Have a great weekend. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was. Uh, I didn't re- didn't realize that it was uh, sexy time. NC seventeen. Um, oh man! But you know that's the thing. There's, 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 I mean, granted, she she's pretty much topless the entire movie, almost like a lot. Wow. Um, but there's there's nothing sexy about it. I mean, it's just it seems very abusive and raw. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, she, look, she's a very sad character. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, Marilyn Monroe is a person. She had a very she had a, you know, it was glamorous, I'm sure, in many ways, but it had a, she had a very tough life, and, uh, and, and you know, tragedy kind of followed her around uh, a lot. Um, so it, it, it'll be, I guess, it'll be interesting from a biopic standpoint, although it's fictional. I mean, I, I had to laugh because it was that thing the first time that a friend of mine called and said he watched Inglorious Bastards, and he was like, <laughs> he's like, this is not, this isn't how, it, what, you know, he was like, that's not how Hitler died, right? And I'm like, no, it was fiction. It was a <laughs> it's an alternate he's like oh okay because i thought i guess i didn't think that hitler died that way i'm like nope he didn't die that way so but you know it's a fictional telling of the marilyn monroe story so it, they're going to take liberties you know they're going to they're going to make it different yeah they are but you know i i am amazed at how many things really like you know when you go through this movie there are a lot of things that they reference that really did happen oh yeah and re- relationships that she really did have and yeah. uh, you know i i think that that's what makes it i think that's what hooks you in to be honest with you because you know we want to see that story we want to know that truth and and even though they make up a bunch of stuff there's a lot of truth in there as well well, interesting. Well, I'll let Terry know. She'll be interested to hear, uh, and I'm sure we'll eventually watch it uh, as well. Um, yeah, just remember, almost three hours long. Oh, man. Holy cow. I know. Okay, okay. But I was surprised. I I, I did not, until until the really last like half hour, I, I felt like, 
it was uh, it was rolling along pretty well. Strong right on by. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I, did we did we ever talk about the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise? God, I don't think we did. I don't think we. Did. I'm trying to remember if I've seen it. Yeah, you know, I must have seen it at some point. I've seen the trailer a couple times in the last mm-hmm. year or so, and then I saw mm-hmm. something somebody posted yesterday. They said, "Well, Top Gun is magnificent. Let's remember the movie that Tom did with the he names the director, same director as Ta- as Maverick." Uh, he said, "Let's remember their first collaboration together, one of the best sci-fi movies." ever and i'm like hmm oblivion which i gotta be honest i enjoyed tom i enjoyed tom cruise in the edge of tomorrow that's the one i was thinking yeah which is talking about sci-fi yeah Yeah. that's a fantastic uh movie i really enjoyed that one this one is totally is different and uh, i'm gonna have to watch it but maybe we should uh maybe we should watch it have a watch party maybe we should watch it and then talk about it next week if you get a chance to i'm just saying yeah yeah yeah, because I mean, I I must have seen it at some point in my life. Yeah. I just don't remember. Yeah, I, th- I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> remember it was uh, it was the pandemic, right? Uh, this thing came out in 2013, actually. So um, I uh, I'm interested to see what uh, I'm interested to see what it uh, what it looks like. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Okay. All right, I'm up for it, folks. Uh, really, this time out of time, gotta go. Uh, Kelly Chivaka, uh, our guest. Confirmed. We may have one other guest, but uh, Kelly Shabaka confirmed for Monday for sure at 624. And uh, then potentially John Bennett at 705. Uh, we will continue. we got to go. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will see you then. Have a great weekend. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show